Hello, my friends. You're listening to Repent and Believe podcast with Cynthia Smalls of Back to God Ministries. Welcome, my friends. Here we talk and teach the message of Jesus Christ, the only one who can claim the title of Savior of the world. We also discuss all things repentance and belief in Jesus Christ and how all these things tie into living a lifestyle where our deeds are manifested and fast and God so that we may be molded by the Father into vessels to be used for His glory. Amen. Amen. All right, so let's get started. Hey everyone, before we get started, I'd like to say thank you for tuning in. And if you enjoy my podcast, please share download, leave me a message or comment. Thanks guys. Hello everyone. This is Cynthia Smalls with Back to God Ministries. How is everyone doing today? I pray that all is well in your lives, that you are walking by faith and not by sight. You, my friend, are to never give up on the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. All right, folks, listen today. We are going to be talking about cheap grace. Yep, that sloppy agape. Listen, cheap grace seeks to hide the cost of discipleship from people. It seeks to claim That as long as we make a profession of faith, we are saved. God's grace covers all of our past sins. Again, that is a wonderful truth. Listen, the Apostle Paul says as much when he writes, Now the law came in to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more, so that as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness, leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Romans 5, 20-21. Yet, because people love to point this out, but then they don't go to the next verse. Right after writing that, Paul follows it with this. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we? Who died to sin still live in it. And that's Romans 6, 1 through 2. Folks, the answer to Paul's question is absolutely not. No, we don't get to stay in sin because of God's grace. And let me tell you, many, many in these apostate churches teach This sloppy, cheesy, greasy, cheap grace. 
that all you have to do is believe in Jesus. But then where is the sermon on turning from your sin? Folks, listen. Salvation by grace alone through faith alone is so much more than simply mouthing the words, Jesus is Lord. We are not saved by a profession of faith. We are not saved by praying the sinner's prayer. We are not saved by signing a card or walking down an aisle. We are saved by a living and active faith. Study James 2, 14 to 26. We are saved by a faith that manifests itself in repentance, obedience, and love of God and our neighbor. Listen, beloved, salvation is not a transaction. It is a transformation. Paul says it best when he says we are new creatures in Christ. Study 2 Corinthians 5.17. Folks, let me assure you, there is nothing cheap about true grace. This, this cheap grace over here, it is a type of a grace that forgives you but does not call you to be changed. This type of grace is not even really grace, but a cheap, watered-down version of the gospel. What we need is the real gospel, okay, that forgives us of sin but also changes our sinful hearts. It is true, okay? It is true that we are saved by grace through faith. Ephesians 2, 8 through 9 teaches us, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Amen. Folks, let us be absolutely clear. You and I could never be good enough to earn salvation excuse me, to earn salvation. We could never try hard enough to receive salvation. When it comes to truly being saved, you and I, no matter what, no matter what we try to do, we cannot try to pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps and say that we are saved now. It took the complete work of God to save you and I from our sin. We cannot boast in our own strength because our salvation comes from the cross of Christ. 
you and I are saved wholly and solely by the grace of God. We also go through a process called rebirth. The Lord Jesus Christ talks about the new birth in John chapter 3. While, while talking about the rebirth process, we see over here in Ezekiel 36, 25 to 27. So let us pray. Father, in the name of Christ Jesus, thank you for saving us. Thank you for the new birth process. You tell us over here in Ezekiel 35, 25 to 27, the prophet Ezekiel made this prophecy, this prophetic event that was to take place. He went on to say, then speaking on your behalf, then I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean and I will cleanse you from all your uncleanness and from all your idols. Moreover, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statues and you will keep my, my ordinance, ordinances and do them. Amen. Father, what a precious promise that we see showing up in the lives of the New Testament blood-bought, but born-again follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, our hearts that were as stony as they come are now pliable, bendable, moldable to do your will. Thank you for this. This is something awesome. This is a miracle that you can take a wretched sinner and by your grace transform him or her into this new creation that has never been created before. We are actually born again. We, that old dead rebellious spirit has been taken out of us. You said you will put a new spirit in us. And not only that, you will put out, you will put your Holy Spirit in us so that this new pliable, bendable heart looks eagerly to do your will. I am a witness, Father, and I am not the only one. Thank you for this. Thank you for doing this for us. We give you glory today. 
We lift your name on high, Father. Thank you. Thank you for being so gracious toward us. And no, we will not continue to sin trying to prove that your grace will overshadow and and abound even more above sin. Paul asked the question, and I'm going to paraphrase it. So what you are telling me, the we, the very ones who have been set free, that we can continue to sin in order that God's grace abounds? Absolutely not. Who but the devil will would come up with such a notion and father today in the 21st century you got these wicked sinful men and women in the apostate church preaching just that that cheap greasy watered down grace how dare they take what is so precious and make it into nothing. Mm. Let your will be done, Father. You've already told us you will deal with your enemies. So we just leave it as that. We pray that they repent before it is too late, before you judge them. So, Father, I ask for wisdom today, discernment, May the Holy Spirit continues to renew my mind, open up my spiritual understanding so that I can see and be taught the deep things of God. Father, I want to learn. I want to learn it all so that I can obey it and then teach it to my brothers and sisters. Father, I ask for for the spirit of wisdom to reign supreme in my life. In Jesus' mighty name, I give you all the glory. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Amen. All right, folks. So, yeah, we are going to be talking about this cheap grace today because we see it. We see it in the quote-unquote Christian community. It may sound spiritual that all we have to do is to believe in Jesus, make a profession that Jesus is Lord. Okay, well, if he's Lord, then why is he not Lord in your life why are you the very ones still kicking and screaming about a lot of his teachings that you believe don't apply to you because that would require you to put that flesh under what i affectionately call the peanut gallery these are they who hate the word repent. They hate the fact that they must produce fruit. 
in keeping with their repentance. These are they who hate the word works. Well, no, because you are teaching a work-based faith. No, we're not. No, we are talking about working out your salvation. We ain't talking about earning your salvation. We are talking about like the Bible teaches that we must produce fruit. Fruit in keeping with our repentance. Folks, listen. Okay, salvation comes through repentance. How are you going to have a change of mind about sin and about the Lord if there is no preaching of repentance, teaching you and letting you know you are a sinner according to the word of God, not by personal assessment that we were all once sinners on our way to a burning hell, but God demonstrated his love for humanity by sending the world a savior, Jesus Christ, who was born of a virgin. He was sinless and perfect. And he died for our sins on the cross. He was buried. Three days later, God raised Jesus from the dead. With that being said, Jesus willingly laid down his life as a sin offering. An unblemished, perfect lamb to be slain. On behalf of humanity, Jesus gave up his life, paying the death penalty for our sins. In our stead, Christ Jesus took on our punishment from holy God, incurring his complete wrath, laying down his life, he made atonement for our sins. He was our substitute. And by his perfect, all-sufficient sacrifice, Jesus reconciled us back to the Father. We're now in Christ. We have, thank you, Holy Spirit, we now have right standing with God. We have been justified, declared not guilty. Even though we did not pay for our sins, but Christ, through him, we've become the righteousness of God. No longer. Through Christ, no longer does God sees us as the filthy, wretched, lying sinners that we once were, but that through the blood of Jesus Christ, we are in the eyes of God, perfect and sinless. We now must go through a process called sanctification. Now that we have been justified by faith, when we put 
our trust and belief in Jesus Christ. It don't stop there, people. You don't get to live your best life now, now that you have been born again. Because according to the the false, cheap doctrine of easy grace, all you have to do until glory, so they say, is just to believe in Jesus. That's all that it takes. You don't have to apparently live right you don't have to produce any fruit because according to them that's a work and you don't have to repent for your sins even the ones you commit in the future because according to their false doctrine that your past present and future sins were also nailed to the cross when in fact that is not even biblical nowhere in scripture and I don't care how quote-unquote effectively that they can twist scripture provide I don't care how many proof Nowhere in the Bible does it say that our future sins have been forgiven as well. And therefore, there's no no need to live a repentant life. For what? If my future sins have all been forgiven, then there's no need nor incentive to live right. God got me. Folks, let us be reminded of what our Lord says that there is that there are two paths, right? A narrow one and a broad wide one. And that many, many self-professing, right? Christians will be on that path along with sinners who don't want to give up who don't want to give up their sins. They continue to want to sow to the flesh. And these so-called professing Lord only, quote unquote, Christians, they want that way. The path of least resistance. They ain't trying to put that flesh under. They, They ain't trying to live holy. Nope. Well, Jesus was in fact telling us that not a whole lot of people are going to be going to heaven. But that broad way, many will find themselves on that road. Nobody wants. It seems to me, no one wants to live a chaste life. Those of us who got the memo. That we must live holy. We must live clean, changed lives. Now that we are in Christ, absolutely not do we stay the same. We just, (coughs) excuse me. We just read in Ezekiel 36, 25 to 27, that God, our Father, will give us a new heart. Listen, our old heart of stone is thrown out. 
Our new hearts are touched by God. Listen, our new hearts are changed and molded by the Lord. By the power of the Holy Spirit, we become more and more like our Heavenly Father. Like our Lord and Savior Jesus. You see, when you surrender, listen, when you surrender your life to Jesus Christ, he begins to transform you. Like I was saying, this is the process of sanctification, which is the action of being freed from sin. Because let us not forget Romans chapter 6, starting in verse 6. We know, thank you, Holy Spirit. We know that our old self, our human nature without the Holy Spirit was nailed to the cross with him. Talking about Jesus Christ, if you don't know. In order that our body of sin might be done away with. So, for the peanut gallery to keep sounding like a big old baby. Oh, it's so impossible to stop sinning. You mean to tell me you don't sin? We all still sin. We are all still sinners. And if you say you don't sin, then you are a liar. Folks, listen, it seems impossible for them to even believe that a born-again follower of the Lord Jesus Christ can actually live a life that is not characterized by sin. To them, that is crazy. It is crazy talk and foolishness to them because they they are still in willful, blatant, defiant sin. So they can't even fathom that it is doable. They have not even tried to. Well, maybe if they come up from out from amongst these wolves and sheep's clothing, teaching and promoting this sloppy, easy, greasy, cheesy, cheap grace long enough, to actually sit at the feet of Jesus because the real Jesus Christ among the many commands, but two that rings true in my life, repent or you too shall all likewise perish and go comma and sin no more. If it was so impossible then why did Jesus allow himself to be nailed in such a horrific, bloody, brutal, violent fashion to be nailed to a Roman's cru a crucifixion cross if it was impossible? Getting back over here to Romans 6, because for, for all of the proof texting they do, why have they not? point that finger over here to Romans 6 because they love to tell you it is by grace and not by works. Folks, 
what Paul was was referring to by works. It wasn't works of holiness and righteousness. No, he was talking about works of the law. See, Paul says we are saved by grace and not by works. And in their minds, works means repentance, living a holy life, being held accountable, um, putting that flesh under. No, Paul was talking about the works of the law that we are not saved by. So the apostate church has made it their mandate and business to, to hyper up grace that that's all you need is grace okay we know how wonderful great true grace is but why did Jesus say that if you don't produce fruit the father who is the vine dresser will cut down that tree and throw it into the fire to be burnt. If all we had to do was to sit back. So getting back over here to Romans 6 verse 7. No, let me take it from verse 6. We know that our old self, our human nature without the Holy Spirit was nailed to the cross with him in order that our body of sin might be done away with so that we would no longer be slaves to sin. Verse 7, for the person who has died with Christ has been freed from the power of sin. Amen. So again, I beg the question. Why are they not pointed that pointing that crooked finger over here to Romans 6? Because they love to point it over there to Ephesians 2. Oh, they love to point it over there to John 10. Where Jesus said, no man can pluck you out of my hand. Folks. If I got to explain this again, I will. Do you think that Jesus Christ, who laid down his perfect life for us, do you think he was talking about these, these holders of this cheap, easy, sloppy agape that refuses to come up under his teachings being sanctified by his Holy Spirit. They ain't trying to do anything holy. But their due, due, duty by going to church. Participating in the false doctrine of tithing and sowing money seed. So that God can give them a blessing. So that by their work. See they so busy screaming about, no, it's not about works. But then that's what you are doing. Hello, tithing was one of the 613 laws of Moses. And you believe because you have been taught by that wolf that in order to receive God's favor in your life, well, you got to do something, which is what? Bring him money. And then 
that wolf turned to Old Testament scriptures, taking them out of context, beat you over the head with it, and then you make sure you tithe because you know you ain't living right and you believe that you can pay God off. Now, now, uh-uh. So do you think the Lord was talking about you? That no man can snatch out of his hand? Because let us not forget why he said this. Because he was saying that his true sheep, they listen to his voice. They follow him. They don't follow after a stranger's voice talking about all you got to do is believe in Jesus and you ain't got to do nothing else. We ain't trying to listen to none of that high sounding nonsense. And Jesus says, no man can pluck them. Them who? The ones who listen to his voice and obey him. Them, no man can snatch out of his hand. Them, no man can snatch out of the Father's hand. Amen. So, verse 11 of Romans 6. Again, another one. I'm, I'm waiting for someone to point us to Romans chapter 6 out of that camp. Because verse 11 says... Even so, consider yourselves to be dead to sin and your relationship to it broken. So, if our relationship, right, Holy Spirit, if our relationship to sin is broken, then why are you still screaming about, we all still sin? We all got something. You mean to tell me you don't sin? Because the Bible says if you say you don't, then you are a liar. Again, <laughs> read the, the previous two verses and the, the next chapter over. John. Because I'm not going to go to it. Y'all can go find it. John was talking about the one. Who, <clears throat> who, who claims having fellowship with the father. But they are in sin. And not only that. They are not even confessing it. You want to know why? Because of this. This one saved always saved. For what? I don't need to confess anything. I'm covered forever. Okay, well, John says you are a liar. That's the person who is a liar, claiming they have fellowship with God, but they don't confess nothing. John even tells us if we miss the mark, not that we are rolling in sin, but you know, we can miss it and we do miss it. But then what do we do? We go to the Father, confess it. We have an advocate in heaven, Jesus. 1 John 1, 9 tells us that God is faithful and just. That when we confess our sins, he will cleanse us, 
purge us from all unrighteousness, but you must confess your sin. You, you cannot be in unconfessed sin talking about you still have fellowship because that's the person John was saying, you are a liar because further on, he tells us the one who actually do the will of God. That's the person who is truly born again. Because he tells us in 1 John 3 that the child of God that has his Holy Spirit living in him and the uh, and God sees seed the righteousness of his character lives in a born again follower of Jesus. And guess what? They cannot go on sinning. Why? Because God's seed, the his righteous, holy character lives in a person. Therefore, they cannot go on sinning. Hello, we are in school. Sanctification. So how are you going to be in sanctification and you still want to get down the way you have been getting down when you was in the world? Ain't nothing changed with you. So what? You made a confession with your mouth because you know the Peter or Paul was saying over there in Romans that if we confess with our mouth and believe in our hearts again, <laughs> taking that out of context, first of all, first, folks, let me enlighten you by God's grace and his Holy Spirit. When Paul was when when Paul said that he was not teaching a doctrine of salvation as if it's some two-step process in order for you to be saved confessing with your mouth and believing in your heart no he was talking to his brethren um his his brother his fellow Jewish brothers if I can get it out, my goodness. Listen, Paul was lamenting about the situation that Israel as a nation, their relationship with God at present is on a pause. Is on a pause. God has caused their hearts to be hardened because they rejected the Messiah. Therefore, God has them on a pause. God will deal with Israel and there will be a remnant of Israel that will be saved. So Paul was crying out from a broken spirit about this whole situation, telling them that when you confess Jesus as Lord, when you when you believe this in your heart, because they were not believing it, they were not confessing this. And he's telling them that when you do this, how wonderful and great it will be for you. If you do this, because right as a born again, believer in Christ, we can confess with our mouths. Absolutely. Look, Jesus is Lord. We don't have a problem with saying that, but the one who rejects Christ cannot say this. 
Why? Because they don't have God's spirit. They don't believe in their hearts. But when we are truly born again, well, guess what happens to us? We now have the capability through the the gift of grace, faith, and repentance that, yes, we can say it. Not that we say it in order to be saved, but because we have God's spirit. Well, guess what? It is easy now for that to come out. So, and then we have Romans 6, 14. For sin will no longer be a master over you since you are not under law as slaves, but under unmerited grace as recipients of God's favor and mercy. Amen. So we don't take God's grace as a license to sin. Absolutely not. Listen, the full counsel of God must be preached, preached and taught. Yes, God is gracious. Yes, he is loving and merciful, filled with loving kindness and goodness. Absolutely. But we also serve a God of righteousness, holiness, and justice. He is the God of fire and justice. Hello, God is holy and he has standards and he wants his children to be obedient. Point blank and put a period. So... You will find that sin, listen, if we work out our own salvation, right? Forget about that high sounding nonsense about, oh, well, we we don't have to do anything else. Okay, y'all on that broad way and we ain't even trying to hear nothing from you because all you want to do is hang on to your sin and your lust and your flesh. Now, you are a stumbling block to the body of Christ with all of this cheap grace. And folks, let us not be mistaken. Where's my bell? Those who preach this cheap grace don't want to offend you because they want your money in order to continue living their lavish lifestyles. And that's the bottom line. Yes, there are wolves and they travel in packs. That's why all these churches promote and practice membership, spiritual covering, who's your pastor, and let us not forget tithing. Uh-huh. Yeah, all that goes hand in hand, along with taking out of context twisted scriptures to keep you at bay. That's why they want your membership so they can bank and count on your money. Folks, this is a business to them. They care nothing about your soul. Jesus tells us in John 10, these 
are hirelings. That when the wolf comes and and scatters the sheep and devour them, they off and running somewhere, leaving the poor sheep behind. Right, Holy Spirit? They listen. They care nothing about you. And I don't care how sweet and nice they appear to be. Listen, you you get into a financial situation and you call up your quote-unquote pastor. Let's see how quickly he bails you out. He would tell you, uh, well, you know what? Come by and fill out this 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 application take you through that whole process only to tell you no and point you to social services. They ain't giving up none of those millions and billions collectively they have. They ain't doing it. That's why the Lord says we are not to put our trust in no man, but trust him. So, you will find that sin once had a stronghold over you. Okay? We just read Romans 6. Don't let anybody tell you, you don't have to live a life of holiness. That how it's impossible to do so. I'm telling you to your face. They are liars. I am a witness and I am not the only one. Not only is it doable and possible, but it is rewarding and fulfilling. Amen. You will find that you have a newfound strength to fight off those sinful urges. The gospel does not just save us, beloved, and sends us to heaven, but is the message by which God changes our hearts. Our hearts were once hard as a stone. No matter how hard you try to squeeze a stone, you cannot change the shape of that stone it is too hard and tough. That is how our hearts were before we met Jesus. Before we went through the rebirthing process. After we meet the real Jesus Christ. Because then that's a whole nother episode. Out of these apostate churches, they are not preaching the real Jesus Christ of Nazareth. It is another Christ, a false Christ that tells you to live your best life now. I forgive you no matter what you do. You can live life however you want and still get to go to heaven. That Christmas Jesus, that Easter pagan Jesus, I ain't talking about him. I'm talking about the one who said, I am the vine. We are the branches. Apart from him, we can do nothing. I'm talking about Jesus Christ of Nazareth, who opened the eyes of the blind, 
who cast out demons, who brought a man back from dead to life. I'm talking about this Jesus who set his face at as flint as he was heading to the cross. I'm talking about Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom looking down upon the city of Jerusalem cried, cried that if only they would accept him, he would have gathered them like a hen who gathers up her chicks and put them under her wings. I'm talking about Jesus who turned water into wine. I'm talking about Jesus Christ who asked the question to his disciples, who do man say that I am? And it was Peter by the Holy Spirit who said, thou art the son of the living God. I'm talking about that Jesus Christ who saved my wretched lion soul from certain damnation. I'm talking about that Jesus Christ. So after meeting that Jesus, we get a new heart that is soft and pliable. It can be changed and shaped. God the Father is calling his people to be changed and shaped by the gospel. Since we have a new heart, we can be changed. The real gospel of Jesus Christ will challenge and convict you. Oh, yes, it will. It will lead to a change in your sinful habits. You want to know why? Because we put the flesh on the facts. The facts, the facts of the case is the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God. We put these sinful desires on the facts. No fornicator. No idolator, no adulterer, no effeminate, no homosexual, no thief, no drunkard, no reviler, no swindler, no murderer, no liar, no harlot, no divider, no gossip, no covetous, greedy, lying, wretched soul will inherit the kingdom of God. Their part will be in the lake that blazes with fire and brimstone. The Bible says this is the second death. So you want to know how myself and many others snapped out of willful sin? We put this flesh on the facts. No unrighteous person who disobeyed Jesus Christ, who disobeys, who don't listen, who don't follow, who don't heed, will not go to heaven. Nope. I'm telling you, bring your flesh to the facts of the gospel 
And that will snap you out. Because you see, we know now what's at stake. Eternity. It is forever. And you don't want to face Jesus outside of your bodysuit standing in eternity talking about, well, I believed in you. I made a confession for you. And Jesus will say, well, did you follow me? Did you deny yourself, pick up that cross and follow me? Did you do that? But I believed in you. That's how I followed you. I believed in you. And Jesus is going to be like, take him. Take her away from my presence. Throw her into the lake of fire. Folks, listen. We don't know how it's truly going to go down on judgment day. But we know we, we got a big clue. Revelation 20. Read it. So, meeting. The real Jesus Christ, he will challenge and convict you and cause you to repent. Listen, the gospel does not teach you that you are forgiven and that you get to stay the way you were. That would be cheap grace. Mm-hmm. Listen. Real grace, we ain't got time for that mess. Real grace teaches us to turn away from sin. Titus 2.11 to 14 tells us about God's amazing, true grace. Not this sloppy, agape, hot mess. For the remarkable, undeserved grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men it this grace right here teaches us to reject ungodliness and worldly and moral desires and to live sensible upright and godly lives lives with a purpose that reflect spiritual maturity how are you growing spiritually if you're still sleeping around? You are still perf performing and practicing homosexual acts. You are still smoking that weed. You're still smoking them cigarettes. You still don't know how to cover up that body, men and ladies. You still got that potty mouth. You are still deceptive. You continue to lie like a rug. You ain't trying to be nice and gentle. You are still angry. You are still unforgiving. Still, <clears throat> still a bitter woman. A bitter man. And then you are the very ones talking about. Well we don't have to do anything. But believe. But then what about all that filthy. Wretched vile way of living. How is it that we got to stay on the straight and narrow path, but not you, though? You still get to live life any kind of way and still get to heaven? Well, then shoot. Have we been getting this wrong all the while? Absolutely not, folks. Listen, you got to live clean and holy now that you are in Christ Jesus. Bottom line to it all. Listen. 
if you are serious about your salvation, then you will straighten up and fly right and know that God ain't playing with that lake of fire and he ain't playing with none of us. He is no respecter of person. We can all still get it. Hebrews 10, 26 to 31 teaches us that if we continue deliberately go on sinning, our only expectation is not heaven. No, (laughs) make no sense. Why Why are they not pointing to Hebrews 1026 that if you deliberately go on sinning your only expectation is of fiery raging fire judgment why aren't they pointing to that anyway back over here to Titus verse 13 Awaiting and confidently expecting the fulfillment of our blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior Christ Jesus. Verse 14. Who willingly. See, this is what I'm talking about all day. Who willingly gave himself to be crucified on our behalf. Why? Why would Jesus Christ put himself under such duress, under such pain, under such brutality? Why would he do this knowing that people were going to reject him anyway and yet he did it anyway? Why? Well, it was to redeem us and purchase our freedom from all all of it wickedness and not only that to purify making us clean and holy and sanctify sanctified to purify for himself a chosen and very special people to be his own possession Who are what folks enthusiastic for doing what is good. Amen. Folks, we are enthusiastic about doing good. Not trying to get around and wiggle out of the command to sin not. Folks, listen. Since the gospel calls us to change, we must reject the sugar-coated gospel. This gospel of cheap grace. This is another gospel that Paul warned about, right? This sloppy, cheesy, cheap grace talks about mercy and grace but has no call to repentance. It is all about blessings and prosperity, about once you've been saved, you are always saved, that you can continue to live your life of sin and still get to go to heaven, pretty much saying no matter what you do, 
You can still meet Jesus, but it calls no one to love their neighbor or to sacrifice. The sugar-coated gospel tries to convince you that everything will go well after becoming a follower of Jesus. The real gospel teaches us that life often and will get harder. You want to know why? Our master told us this wicked world hates him. And if they hated him, they are going to hate us also. Why? Because we carry the same message as Jesus. Repent or you too shall all likewise perish. Perish. I can tell you it's true. They hate us. Okay, trust and believe. I'm a witness to the hate. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, but, 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 despite the many afflictions of the righteous, the Lord delivers out of them all. Amen. Folks, listen, I don't know if you've noticed this. Christ's true, true sheep has, though. One of the reasons people often preach the sugar-coated gospel is because they are worried that the real gospel will offend other people. Mm-hmm. These are they that if they tell people they need to repent, that will turn them away from Jesus. No, it won't. No, no, it will most likely Turn them from your church. Yeah, because all that time they were there getting their ears tickled. But then once you start tapping on their sin, they ain't coming back. <laughs> if no membership equals no money for the wolf. Okay, so no, he ain't going to teach anything that will make you think stop and turn. Oh, he ain't doing it. <laughs> nope. And when they do this, they do an an excellent job of keeping those people at peace. Tickling their ears, giving them all of the motivational speeches they want. It does not change the heart though. It don't change the heart of the hearer. The hearer must be able to hear through the, the mess. God wants me to be holy. He's holy. Therefore, without holiness, no man will see the Lord. Because by not calling people to repentance, but just mercy and grace, they are robbing the gospel of its power. Listen, it is better to offend people now by preaching the full gospel instead of later as they realize they have never heard the full message and will be on their way straight to, to hell and away from God. Mm-hmm. Listen. The words of Jesus in Luke 9 speaks clearly. Starting at verse 23 to 25 in closing. Okay. 
Jesus was saying in verse 23, he was saying to them all, if anyone wishes to follow me as my disciple, he must deny himself, set aside selfish in selfish interests, and take up his cross daily, expressing a willingness to endure whatever may come and follow me, believing in me, conforming to my example in living and if need be, suffering or perhaps dying because of faith in me. Amen. Verse 24, for whoever wishes to save his life in this world will eventually lose it through death. But, <clears throat> but whoever loses his life in this world for my sake, he is the one who will save it from the consequences of sin and separation from God. Verse 25, for what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world, wealth, fame, success, and loses or forfeits himself? Jesus is saying what benefit what profit would it have done for you to have gained everything you wanted in this world? One foot in the world, another foot in the kingdom. All you listen to and heed to is cheap grace. What profit would it have done for you to find loophole? Loophole after loophole to get around the command to go and sin no more and to lose your soul. Listen, folks, ain't nothing in this world, no person, no place, no thing, no possession is worth you losing your soul. Folks, everything is temporary but eternity because that is where once you drop the body suit that is where that soul on the inside of you will spin for everlasting either in heaven the kingdom of God or over there in the lake of fire because let us not be mistaken hell is not the final destination no Hell itself, according to Revelation chapter 20, hell will empty itself out and all the inhabitants will stand before Jesus on judgment day at the great white throne to hear final sentencing. Your name will not be found in the Lamb's book of life and you will be thrown, tossed, hurled cast into the lake of fire amen so if we want to follow jesus we must deny who we are and follow him that means his will come his will comes before our own it means that we repent of our sins and follow the way of life that jesus states even if we gain the whole world, we will die. And none of that comes with us. It will all be for nothing. 
All that matters is what we have done for the kingdom. We as followers of Jesus must reject the sugar-coated, sloppy gospel that many try to present and hold tight to the only true gospel that can save us from sin is the one given by God. Not from man. Not what man has taught you. No. You got to live a life worthy of your calling. We must examine where we are in the faith. Because if we are living a life of sin, we ain't getting in. Listen, we who are truly born again and turned from sin, we are not ashamed of the gospel. Mm -mm. And we will continue to preach and teach it in all of its truth, even if it pricks and offend the one who don't want to repent, who don't want to hear the truth that you must live a changed life once coming to Christ. Well, Paul says it all in Romans chapter 1. Listen, starting at verse at verse 16, and then I'm going to let you go. Paul says, and we agree, I am not ashamed of the gospel. This is Romans 1, 16 to 20. I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation from his wrath and punishment to everyone who believes in Christ as Savior, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in the gospel, <clears throat> excuse me, for in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, both springing from faith and leading to faith, disclosed in a way that awakens more faith, as it is written and forever remains written, the just and upright shall live by faith. Amen. Look, verse 18. For God, hello, hello, God does not overlook sin and the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness. So that peanut gallery, that once saved, always saved, up there preaching all of that hyper grace, Y'all better repent. God does not overlook sin. And the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who in their wickedness suppress and stifle the truth. Because that which is known about God is evident within them in their inner consciousness. For God made it evident to them. For ever since the creation of the world, verse 20, his invisible attributes, 
His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through his workmanship. All his creation, the wonderful things that he has made, so that they who fail to believe and trust in him are without excuse and without defense. Amen. Folks, I'm telling you, it's going to go down on judgment day. Oh, many people will be shell-shocked. To hear Jesus say to them, depart from me, I never knew you. That is why all the more we must, all of us, continue to consider all the ways we take before the Lord. He is watching us, all of us, all the good we do and all the bad that we do, all all of it is being written in the books of your life that will be opened. Whether good or bad deeds on judgment day. Look, Revelation 20 tells us, we're John, verse 12. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God and the books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. Uh-huh. And if we come down to verse 13 at the, at the tail end of it, John said, And they were judged every man according to their works. Jesus tells us over here through the prophet Jeremiah, Jeremiah 17, 9 through 10. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? I, the Lord, search the heart. I try the reins even to give every man according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doings. Amen. So, folks, listen. We cannot be lazy. We cannot be complacent. We cannot be indifferent. We cannot be in rebellion. We cannot be woefully ignorant of the fact that judgment day is coming. We must continue to remain in Jesus abiding in him until the end because he tells us in Matthew 24 13 the man who endures until the end that man shall be saved not the one practicing this cheap grace who sits up under a watered down gospel that preaches and teaches grace and mercy, but never telling the people truly the consequence of sin. Mm-mm. I say, go on and offend them. I'm like, listen, offend me. Let me know when, when I'm missing it. I'd rather get the rebuke now. I'd rather be 
discipline and sat down now getting it right with Holy Spirit rather than Jesus snatches me out of this body suit and I stand before him and he tells me I don't know you I don't know what 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 a household you come from I don't know you but Jesus wasn't I doing good works in your name wasn't I not prophesying in your name all of these good works and Jesus is going to be like, I never knew you. Depart from me, you worker of iniquity. No, we ain't got time for that, folks. So there we have it. Father, in the name of Christ Jesus, we are not ashamed of the death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord. He saved our wretched lion souls from certain damnation. Father, I pray on behalf of your children as well as for myself that you continue to give us more and more grace, that you give us more and more wisdom and discernment to live right, to live clean. May we not grieve your Holy Spirit, but but may we use this time we have on earth as short as it is because is you right is nothing but a vapor we are here one moment and then we are not may we make the most of every opportunity to live a life of repentance a life of obedience a life of honor honoring you cherishing you, obeying you, and following Jesus, allowing ourselves to be humbled under the righteous teachings of the Holy Spirit who came to glorify Jesus. And may that he bring to our remembrance everything that Jesus has taught his disciples, for we Two are his disciples. Not only are we listening and learning, but we are obeying. Bless your holy name, Father. In Jesus' mighty name, I pray. Amen. Amen. Glory be to God, both now and forevermore. Amen. Well, there we have it. Another one in the can. Repent. And believe, stop sinning and turn back to God. Do not be deceived. Bad company will always corrupt your good, upright, sensible morals. Arise to righteousness. You have been, you have been set free from the power of sin and sin is no longer your master. Therefore, through Jesus Christ, we are no longer slaves to sin. So stop acting like one and stop talking like one. And Lord willing, until next time, I shall be talking to you all soon. Bye for now. Thank you guys for tuning in. I truly appreciate all your support. Until next time, I'll be talking to y'all soon. Bye.